Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangreenNation.com. Thank you so much for making this podcast your first listen each day. Today we will have our weekly mailbag as the Jets come out of their bye week and prepare for a game against the New England Patriots here on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets. Your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food, it's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Today we have our weekly mailbag show. Each Wednesday here on the podcast, we do a mailbag with listener questions. Thanks to everybody who sent them in this week. Let's begin. And our first question, when Becton returns from injury, what are your thoughts on moving Fant to right tackle, Moses to right guard, and Greg Van Roten to the bench? Although Moses has never played guard, which is a risk, his skill set seems to fit being power-based and his issue with speed rushers will be hidden at guard. Finally, he's a much better player than Greg Van Roten. I don't think they're going to do this. Should they do this? Maybe. The only reason I'm even considering this is before the, the season, I kind of openly wondered whether that might be the best offensive line alignment for the Jets. I think there is kind of a concern with Moses at guard, and it goes beyond him never having played the position in, in the NFL. He's pretty tall. He's 6'6", and when you're in the interior, a lot of times it's a pure power battle. Yes, Moses is kind of a power player, but power battles are determined by who gets lower, and guys who are taller can struggle when they move in inside to guard. I think we are reaching a point, though, where Van Roten's play has been so shaky that you might have to think about it. And like I said, I mean, despite my concerns about Moses playing guard, and I think you do have to have concerns, especially when you're converting somebody in season, when you're not giving them a full training camp to learn a new role, I do think it's something worth looking at. Now, will the coaching staff look at it? I'm not sure. But if you look at the play over the last couple of weeks, Fant has been playing better. Now, I know he's at left tackle now, not right tackle. And I know he had that disaster opener against Carolina at right tackle. I'm a little skeptical at the idea that he's a great left tackle, but he can't play right tackle. I think it's more likely he's just kind of an ordinary player who had a bad matchup week one and now has run into a little string of luck. I don't think he's as bad as the guy we saw week one. I don't think he's as good as the guy who's been playing pretty well the last couple of weeks. And I don't think... This is a matter of him playing left tackle versus right tackle. Now, listen, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's certainly possible that he's just more comfortable playing one one side and not comfortable playing the other side. You are essentially flipping. You're essentially putting a guy into like a mirror role when you switch him from the right side to the left side. So maybe he's more comfortable playing the left side. And a guy like Fant, I, I do understand the argument that on the left side, you maybe focus more on pass blocking whereas on the right side you focus more on run blocking and Fant's a better pass, but I understand all that. I just think Fant is, is an ordinary guy no matter where you put him, and over the long haul things are going to even out. And, you know, Becton at left tackle is 
a topic that's generated some discussion recently in the Jets fan base. And I'm not really sure where Becton's long-term home is, but to me, you know, you drafted this guy a year ago and by most accounts, he acquitted himself pretty well for a guy who was still very much learning how to play the tackle position. I thought he had a pretty good rookie season. I mean, this is a guy who's not really a developed player who looked like he belonged at left tackle. And for me, if I'm going to move Becton off left tackle, there has to be a reason for it. He has to fail out a left tackle, and he hasn't failed out a left tackle yet. Or you have to find, like, a proven left tackle who you say, you know what, we have a chance to get this guy, we'll move Becton somewhere else. So I'd, I definitely would keep Becton at left tackle. And Van Roten's play has gotten to the point where this might be worth a shot because Fant is playing pretty well. I'm not convinced he can keep it up. In fact, I think Fant is in the right role for him right now which is kind of like the primary backup tackle where if somebody goes down, you put him in, you put him in at either spot and for a couple of weeks, maybe he can hold the fort, but yeah, I mean, look, Van Roten's been bad enough. And as I said, before the season began, I kind of wondered whether this might be the best alignment for the jets. So I think it would be worth a, worth taking a look at whether the jets will, I'm not sure. Next question which player has been your biggest surprise and which player has been your biggest disappointment so far in 2021? I think biggest surprise, I'm going to go with Bryce Hall. And I did have hopes for Bryce Hall. It's not like I was expecting him to go out there and be terrible. But what we saw his rookie season was at points promising, at other points not promising. It was difficult to say what we had in Bryce Hall heading into the season. And we still don't know exactly what we have in Bryce Hall, but He's playing a premium position. It's a difficult spot. I know he wasn't really a fifth-round talent, but he was a fifth-round pick by the Jets. The Jets were putting a lot on his plate heading into the season, and he's acquitted himself well. And I'd go with Bryce Hall over somebody like Michael Carter II because the slot position is one where you actually can find players in the late rounds and undrafted free. I mean, look at if you look at the great slot corners in the leagues— a lot of them were either late round picks or on draft. It's one of those spots that I feel like front offices have not caught up with current strategy. And I feel like they don't understand how important the slot position is. So even though the odds are very much against the day three pick contributing right off the bat, I felt like there was a possibility there could be something in Michael Carter, whereas very difficult to find a day three starter outside at corner. And Bryce Hall's played pretty well so far. I, I think that that's, I mean, I don't know if you want to call it a surprise because I did have hopes for him, but this was not a guy I was 100% confident in. And so far this season, there have been a few hiccups, especially against Atlanta and London. But so far, things have gone pretty well, I think. Now, if you're looking for biggest disappointment, I mean, how can it not be Denzel Mims? And I know people are going to reply, well, maybe it's not his fault. Well, it's at some point, it doesn't really matter whose fault it is. I think through this offseason, you know, even if you go back to the end of last year, we were all looking for, or most of us were looking for Mims to have a big breakout season. Again, last year, was he spectacular? No, but he looked like he belonged in the NFL. He looked like an NFL caliber receiver. Now, you know, we've talked extensively, everybody's talked extensively about the Denzel Mims saga. So I I feel like there's no point in relitigating it. Whose fault is it? Is the coaching staff keeping a talented player on the feet off the field? Is Mims not earning his way on the field? Is it that the Jets have a bunch of NFL caliber wide receivers this year for once? I, I don't know. But if you look at this, 
if I told you a year ago that Denzel Mims would be in this situation, if I told you in January that Denzel Mims would be in this situation, you may not have believed me. And if you did believe me, you'd be very disappointed. So, you know, people may say it's not his fault. Well, at some point, it doesn't really matter whose fault it is. The fact we've gotten to this point with Denzel Mims is very disappointing. So I hope that, I guess that's the obvious answer, but I think in this case, the obvious answer is the correct answer. Who knows, maybe this situation will give Mims some fuel for the second half of the season. But now I want to tell you about an incredible app you need to know about for when you fuel up your car or truck. It's called Get Upside, and my listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus $0.25 per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two or $300 a month in cash back. And there's no catch. The cash gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. Again, that's promo code TOUCHDOWN on the free GetUpside app. Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. We continue with our weekly mailbag. Our next question, which specific offensive and defensive changes do you expect to see Sunday in light of the things the coaches have said during the bye? I'll believe changes when I see them. That's the way it tends to go in the NFL. Coaches frequently tell you they're going to make changes, but sometimes they are not giving away what they wanted to. I mean, how many times through the first five games have we heard about Mims who was going to play this weekend, especially against Tennessee? I mean, you can go back to the previous coaching staff. I remember the entire summer of Adam Gase's first year, we heard how Ty Montgomery was going to be a huge part of the offense. And I remember examining the way Gase runs his offenses. And I said, Ty Montgomery's not going to play a role in the offense. And on some level, it kind of makes sense to approach things this way because you don't want to give away for your opponents what you're going to do. So I'm not expecting to see huge changes. I mean, hopefully they figure out something in the first quarter. I and mean, they got to get the first quarter offense. And the first quarter defense has been bad, too. That's been one of the untold stories of the year. I wrote an article last week when I examined this. The Jets' defense in the first quarter has been just as bad as the offense. Ironically, I think the reason you don't notice that is that the defense begins to play better as the game goes on, whereas the offense continues to be bad. And for and ironically, the fact that the defense is better as the game progresses makes you kind of lose track of how bad they are in the first quarter. The Jets have to Jets have to come out stronger in these games. So hopefully they do something on that end, but... I don't really buy into anything the coaches tell me. I'll believe it when I see it. Our next question. Do you agree the Steelers received the most favorable ref calls in the league by far with the Patriots, Giants, and Packers all a distant second? And our Jets are, and the rest are all way behind. Well, I'm assuming you don't like the Steelers if you're asking this question. And I'm sure you don't like the Patriots or Giants. And one thing I've noticed in NFL fans is that we all think that the referees and the announcers are biased against our team and love the opponents. And it's funny because like, if you read any Pittsburgh Steelers sites, if you go to any of their message boards, you'll hear about how the refs are biased against them and the announcers hate them. The Patriots fans feel the same way. I can't tell you how many times I've read a Patriots fan tell me, or I've read it online that 
the the uh, the announcers all hate them, and the refs are biased against. Them. I think everybody thinks that they're the refs and the announcers are biased biased against their teams and i don't know what it is i don't know whether it's psychology but we always tend to remember the things that go against us and we don't remember the things that go for us so i don't know that the referees are necessarily biased for the steelers or biased against the jets our next question is spreading out the offense with more receivers a more effective way to open up the run game considering the dearth of talent at tight end well, I think given the Jets' personnel, yes. And that will be one of the questions that continues to emerge through the course of the season. Why did the Jets, if they were so intent on running running a tight end heavy offense, do so little at the position? And I go back to something I said a little while back. It's almost like Joe Douglas and these coaches thought that these guys could play. It's almost like they overrate these guys. They think these tight ends are better than they really are. And that's the only thing that makes sense to me because you have to imagine that the coaches in the front office communicated this offseason. It's not like it was a total shock. It's not like we went through the total the whole offseason and then suddenly it's like, oh, wait, we're going to use a lot of tight ends. Oops. I don't know what's going on there. One of the things I've learned about NFL schemes is that it's not necessarily one is better than the other. It's just there are different ways of getting the same result. So, you know, one way of blocking better and winning in the trenches in the run game is to put a lot of blockers in there and you hope the extra blockers help out your run game. Another approach is to put extra receivers on the field. And whenever you send a receiver out wide, he pulls a guy away from the box because somebody has to cover him. And, you know, there are advantages and disadvantages. One of the advantages to putting extra receivers on the field is that it makes it much more difficult for the defense to disguise its intentions. If you have a tight end or a fullback in there, there's going to be lots of linebackers and safeties in the box. You're not sure who's covering who. You're not sure who might be a blitzer. Whereas if you have a bunch of guys out wide, again, somebody has to follow all these receivers out wide. There are less guys you can move into the box and disguise their intentions. It all comes down to your personnel. And based on the personnel of the Jets roster, I don't really see why they're using all these tight ends. I mean, if you were the Jets, I think, and you had this receiver talent and Granted, it's not been as productive as we've been hoping it would be, but if you line the tight ends on this team up against the wide receivers, it's pretty clear that there's a lot more talent at the wide receiver position than there is the tight end position. So given the personnel, it's not so much that one approach is better. It's not so much necessarily that putting extra receivers on the field is a superior way to run the ball than than putting extra tight ends is. And the reverse is also not true. It's not necessarily the case that putting extra tight ends is a superior way to run the ball opposed to putting extra receivers. It's just more about the personnel that you have. And the, the Jets don't have quality tight ends. They don't have guys who can block. I mean, once you get past... I think Tyler Croft is an okay blocker. But once you get past him, you don't really have a lot. So I think based on... It's more about the personnel than it is whether one way is definitively more effective than the other. But yeah, based on... The personnel the Jets do have, I think extra receivers would help them more than tight ends who cannot block because at least these receivers are drawing guys away from the box and you have to block one less guy. So more receivers would probably be a good approach. And if you're looking for a good meal, you should know that this episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. But McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get that tasty, affordable meal. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing that they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of french fries and McFlurries. 
Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, and the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping on a long road trip to, re- to rest your legs and refuel. You can come in after a Little League game, stop at McDonald's after attending a big sporting event, connect to Wi-Fi when you need to get work done, have a birthday party there. And bing- if you ever seen Big O Night on Thursdays at your local McDonald's, you know that can be a lot of fun. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and connect. Did somebody say Locked On Jets watch party? McDonald's, I'm loving it. And if you're looking for a snack after your trip to McDonald's, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you're missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy, or just plain hard to eat. But a Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of being purely delicious, and there are so many flavors. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space. L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at Built, B-U-I-L-T, dot com. Locked on Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday, our next question. Although he hasn't been on the field for too many snaps this year, what has been your assessment of Ashton Davis? My read is that he's not afraid to lay a big hit, but he does not take great angles to the ball and finds himself out of place sometimes. He's starting to seem like one of several disappointing picks from the 2020 draft. I had high hopes for him, along with Pirine and Zaniga. Do you think Pirine ever has a role on this team? Yeah, and you know, going back, my assessment on Davis coming out of Cal was essentially what you laid out, is that he's always going for the big hit, but frequently finds himself out of position. It doesn't even really seem like he's above the depth chart on some of these other backups who the Jets had got all kind of off the scrap heap, which I think is kind of ominous. I mean, you go back to the offseason, the fact that the Jets brought in LaMarcus Joyner, Maybe not completely, but I think at least on some level was kind of a vote of no confidence in Davis. I'd be honest with you, he hasn't played much. I have not loved what I've seen from him. He had a few moments last year, but you you go back to that 2020 draft, the third and fourth rounds, I really did not love what the Jets did. I mean, I did not like Davis. I was not a big fan of Zaniga. James Morgan, I did not think it was a good pick. And I I don't get Pirine. I, I never saw what was exciting about his game he looked like a guy who had nothing that really stood out about his game so I'd be surprised if he ever amounted to much I mean I think he's a guy who's just kind of there I, I don't see him being anything more than a role player really between those third and fourth rounds the only guy who intrigued me at all was Cameron Clark who of course is injured this year who won't be playing but yeah I, I really did not like what the Jets did in the third and fourth rounds of the 2020 draft and so far they really have not gotten results. Next question. Why do the, do the Jets keep putting Ty Johnson out there as the third down back? He's not a good blocker and does not seem like that good of a pass catcher. Since they've been using Michael Carter as the early down back, I'd like to see Tevin Coleman out there much more on third downs. He seems to have better burst than Johnson and is a much better pass catcher. Well, not just a better pass catcher. Pass protection is really the key on third down at the running back position. And that's one of the reasons I'm not surprised Michael Carter's not out there more frequently on third downs. It's tough to put a rookie in that situation because in college, you don't deal with pass protection as much. 
the coaches tend to not do a great job teaching you how to pass protect the schemes you're blocking against are not as complex and as much as anything Tevin Coleman is on this team right now I think because of his abilities in the passing game and particularly as a pass protector because that's something he's been good at throughout his career and Coleman yes does have a reputation for being an excellent route runner out out of the backfield but more than anything Ty Johnson's awful as a pass blocker and that's that's the key right there. And Tevin Coleman is much better, so that's why I'd use him there. I agree, Michael Michael Carter on the early downs, and Tevin Coleman on third down when the other team's going to be blitzing. You want him back there to help out Zach Wilson. So I don't have much to add to that one. Next question: One of the things I really liked about Zach Wilson coming out of BYU and gives me solace when thinking about his future with the Jets was how he improved every year in college. We all heard the stories of his work ethic during BYU's off seasons. I know we all desperately want to see some in-season improvements from Zach, but I accept that it might just not happen as we want. Every rookie quarterback's head must be spinning, especially having practically no downtime during the offseason, having to deal with the draft, and immediately becoming millionaires. But I am confident he will work hard over the offseason and will see a leap in year two, which we have failed to see in many of our past quarterbacks of the future. What do you think? Um, I probably fall somewhere in between here. I do agree. I think... The fact that Wilson, not just in college, but if you go back to high school, consistently got better. You know, he was kind of an underwhelming prospect for much of his high school career and improved. And then at BYU was pretty underwhelming his first couple of years and had a great final season. I do think that gives me some degree of solace, but I do think we got to see him be better this offseason. I mean, listen, if he plays like this the rest of the year, the way he played the first five weeks, the Jets are going to have to bring in some competition because... He's looked overwhelmed. Doesn't mean he can't improve. And you do hope he improves. And listen, I would not write him out. I would not write him off after the first five games of his career. But I can't say my concern level is zero. That doesn't mean my concern level is 100. But there's only, you know, I think anybody who's a starting quarterback in the NFL is going to be a given that they're going to work hard to try and improve. Anybody who's drafted number two overall is going to be a hard worker. So it's not just about hard work. It's also about improving. And listen, I'm sure he's working hard right now. And I think we should begin to see some of the fruits of that labor over the next couple of weeks. So I think offseason improvement is going to matter. I do feel better knowing that his typical trajectory in his career in high school and college has been to begin slowly and then steadily improve. I think that that's important. But we need to also see in-season improvement you know we can't see him making the same mistakes over and over again the improvement cannot wait until next year there has to be now listen the full off season is going to be a big deal and i think that there will be a greater growth between year one and year two than maybe we'll see in season but i do think we need to see some growth in season that's all for our show today thank you for listening this has been the lockdown jets podcast part of the lockdown podcast network as always if you enjoy the show subscribe to it and leave it a good review Hope you have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.